The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Prospect Podcast, Clay Link alongside lead prospect writer James Anderson. Shout out to New Day, N-E-U-D-A-E, for the song Comb Over, the intro song you just heard. James, you, you wrapped up your your top tens by division last week. Going to be talking your Dynasty League rankings today. And we are, just uh, to clear things up, recording this on Tuesday because you are heading up north, Montreal. Yeah. Seeing heading, some friends? Uh, no, just, just going with, with the girlfriend. Nice. For a few days, it's going to be 
pretty awesome. I mean, we we're gonna go to a lot of sweet restaurants, I'm sure, but uh, gonna also be interesting to see how much I can, how much NCAA tournament I can Squeeze view in. up there with with her tagging along. I'm, I'm guessing probably <laughs> probably not much. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, sure. it'll it'll be fun though. I'm glad to just get a few days off of work. Yeah, that's cool, man. I've I've been up to Vancouver, never to Montreal though. It's uh, it's on my list for sure. Mentioned that we're going to be talking your Dynasty League ranks uh, from your latest Farm Futures and also the results from a Dynasty League draft that you did with the the people at Roto World. But first, I want to talk, if you don't mind, quickly about my draft auction and draft from last night. Staff Keeper League 1. Now, we're both in Staff Keeper League 2, but uh, I, I took on a league or a team in that league here just last year, so still in the rebuilding mode. Took over the last place team. Uh, it's a different different vibe than than SKL one SKL two rather. It's been around longer, so there's a bit more inflation, and just a lot of people a lot of people knowing who they want and just shelling out. And uh, their, the spending was pretty crazy last night. Clayton Kershaw went for seventy four bucks. I texted you. You weren't really surprised. No, I think he'll probably go for around that in our staff keeper league too, just because. If you're a team with good keepers and you have some money to spend, you're nobody, this year. yeah, nobody can move the needle quite like he can. And you know, the last thing you want to have is a bunch of money left over towards the end of the draft and being forced to shell out like twelve, fifteen bucks for guys who really should be going for more like a, a few bucks. So, yeah, uh, it's crazy inflation. But you know, if you if you're going into the auction with a roster that's a bunch of underpriced guys, it's not that crazy to, to shell out for Kershaw. Yeah, no, I think even with a little bit less inflation in SKL2, we could see Kershaw go for about as much. And, uh, yeah, I was I was kind of in the spot where I almost felt like I had too much money to spend. I kept 15 guys who totaled, I think, 100 and, I think it was like $103. It was not a lot. So I got in the in a situation where there were a couple prospects I wanted to target, Really, the top two that were left on the board, and Blake Snell and AJ Reed, got them both for a combined twenty-one, ten on Reed, eleven for Snell. It's part of a rebuilding club. What did you think on that? Do you think those prices are a little high, or do you think uh, where I'm at in the rebuild process that just made sense? Uh, I think the ten dollars on Reed is probably below market value. I guess mm-hmm. in my mind, uh, you know, Snell at eleven. Uh, that that probably doesn't look good for you this year, but it, it could end up looking really good heading into 2017. So if you're not, I mean, you've got a pretty solid roster, but I mean, I'm I'm sure maybe, you know, maybe on the pitching side, you probably won't get enough get enough points up there to to mm-hmm. kind of hang at the top three of the league. But yeah, I mean, heading into next year, that could look like a a pretty solid price. I mean, it kind of sounded like. You know, you were going to go to eleven if you had to on him because that, that was, was all that was all you had left, yeah. had left. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think you got to got to get your guy. I mean, you're not contending this year, no sense. Kind of wondering what if if you hadn't gotten to eleven there. So I, I definitely get it. Yeah, I, it was at the point in the draft too where I was really that was my last spot to fill, and there was still a lot of money to shell out. I put Snell up at five to start, and price crept up to nine. So then I just jumped to eleven. Threw it all out there. But then Jeff Erickson, with his last dollar, got Jose De Leon. And obviously that looks infinitely better, $1 De Leon than mm-hmm. versus an $11 Snell. 
Uh, but I was really adamant that I didn't want to leave a lot of money on the table. So that's why I also spent up on guys like Grandal, Weeders, Chris Davis. Really just because this is also a league where the bottom like six are penalized with an additional fee. So I just kind of want to stay out of that. But don't have enough speed or pitching, as you mentioned right now. Hopefully, Yon Mankata will help me eventually. I kept him at 10 because after I bought him in the auction last year, it's going to be a situation where I'm only going to have this season to decide uh, next offseason I'll have to decide if I'm going to extend him, and we, we might not even see him in the majors this year. More than likely won't, so it's going to be a really tough decision. Uh, but you grab Mankata in your in your Dynasty League draft with um, it was with a, the people it was a mock. Yeah. Okay, mock. But still, I mean, you got him pretty late. Where was it exactly? 40, 47. Well, you know, so... In my like, according to my rankings, which are going to accompany this this write up, uh, that's a steal. But I wonder, like, the room was pretty surprised when I popped him there. Like, kind of throughout the draft, I had, you know, people were wondering. You know, I, I bought or I I grabbed uh, Alex Reyes at pick one forty three, and uh, someone in the in the uh, draft was like, you know, he's going to miss 50 games with a weed suspension, right? I'm like, yeah, it's a dynasty league mock. Like I, <laughs> I took Moncada with my fourth pick. I obviously don't care. Like, yeah, sure. so I, I mean, there were people weren't really grasping the strategy I was going for until like the dust had completely settled. I don't think, you know I mean? I, obviously that, you know, I, I kind of write about this, you know, went Bryce Harper and then Jose Fernandez with my first two picks. I thought those were layups, basically where they, where they were. I was picking second. Trout went first. I grabbed Harper with the second second pick, uh, and then, and then Jose Fernandez with the twenty third pick. And then when I took Bryce Hart or Byron Buxton with my my twenty twenty six overall pick. Uh, that's kind of when I realized what direction my team was sort of headed because while I really like Buxton, uh, it's, it's really hard to, it's really hard to justify like trying to compete for 2016 if you're going to take Buxton in the third round, I think. Um, Mm. so it's at that point, I really kind of had to shift gears and I was sort of happy with the way everything everything fell because most teams in the league were kind of going with a well I want to at least be competitive in 2016 approach so that allowed me to kind of go young from from there on out the oldest player on my roster was Wellington Castillo who's my second catcher he's 28 years old every other player that I drafted is 27 or younger and none of the prospects that I drafted have an ETA uh, further away than 2017. So I feel like that gives that would give me a, a really good window to compete kind of 2017, 2018 through 2020, 21, 22. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there it's just it, it's you want to get I think you, you know, if you're going to do a dynasty league and start from scratch draft, it, it makes sense to kind of. Yeah, this is the blueprint. Either go that. well, right? Yeah, I mean, if if you want to go young, then you basically should just ignore all players that are either post peak or maybe kind of at the tail end of their peaks, because that just doesn't 
you're not going to maximize your window to win that way. Mm-hmm. You're going to kind of half-ass it uh, on both sides, where you're you're not going to have enough to win right away if you if you get a few young guys in there too, and you're not going to have enough to win when your young guys are ready because the old guys mm-hmm. that you paid up for are going to be done at that point. So uh, yeah. I was really kind of happy with what I was able to do. Uh, you know, a lot of prospects, obviously, but also some guys like Mike Moustakis and Jason Hayward and Kevin Pillar, who I think are all either, you know, maybe their last or last year might've been the start of their peaks, or maybe they haven't have yet to peak. So, uh, kind of a nice little core to sort of grow together with. And then mm. you, you have a guy like Bryce Harper and Jose Fernandez kind of holding down the offense and the pitching and makes everything a little easier. Yeah, man, I love what you did in this mock, and I agree that if you are starting from scratch in a dynasty league this year, this is the way to go because I like what you said too. It's you know riding that middle ground between you know guys who are going to help you in the short term and long term. Just don't do that. Go one way or the other because you don't want to be. If you do that, you're probably going to be riding that middle road in the standings for several years to come. And what you did here, I mean, you want to talk dynasty, rock la familia in a couple of years. You're just going to be running, running. Uh, stuff here. Absolutely insane. You got, I mean, we talked about Mankata, Addison Russell, Tim Anderson, who we talked about a couple weeks ago, Buxton Conforto. It's it's really from top to bottom an absolutely stacked roster. And on the bench, you got Franklin Barreto and Andrew Benintendi, two guys that I got, uh, well, I kept Barreto, but got Benintendi last night in the Staff Keeper League. Uh, first overall pick in the reserve rounds. He was a top player on your board. Uh, on your rankings, I was going to go De Leon if Jeff hadn't taken him just because pitching is so scarce in that league. Mm-hmm. But, you know, with him gone, I mean, Benintendi, a hell of a consolation prize. And uh, what kind of package are we looking at with Benintendi at the major league level? I just think he's he's going to hit like crazy. You know, I, I think uh, batting average is going to be really high. You know, I think you could you could kind of expect 280, 290 annually and then, and then some 300 plus years mixed in there uh you know i think a lot of people are always are kind of quick to say about a guy you know i've heard this said about guys like billy mckinney and and alex verdugo where you know they're they're gonna hit for a high average but i'm not sure how much power is going to be there well you know if you can hit like that average wise and you're built like that you can hit for power Mm -hmm. i mean it might not be 30 homer power but you're a guy like Benintendi. I mean, he's not the biggest guy in the world, but he makes such strong contact, barrels, everything. You know, guys like, you know, even a guy like, say, like Dustin Pedroia, you know, nobody would have said oh, that power hitter, but there, there, he had some years in there where, where he was hitting for well above average power for the position. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if you can hit, there's always a chance that you can hit 25, 30 homers. And I think in Benintendi's case, 20 seems very realistic and not that far off either so uh just really kind of like yeah yeah he can yeah he's he's a five tool or Mm -hmm. five category guy for fantasy really and Mm -hmm. uh probably would be my pick to to get to the majors first among the hitters from last year's class and especially considering that rusne castillo really you know, kind of, kind of make or break. I think this year as to whether or not this this new regime views him as an everyday player for them moving forward. If he's really struggling, and we get to July, and Benintendi's just raking at Double A AA or Triple A, 
then I think he, he gets the call. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, there were there were some good players remaining there. I mean, Dansby Swanson and Brendan Rodgers are both on the board and both went right after mm-hmm. me. I considered them, but I had, again, Barreto and Nick Gordon. So, uh, you know, another shortstop wasn't really a priority, even though I think you could easily make the case for either one of those two shortstops over Benintendi. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, I, mean, I wouldn't fault anyone for going with – with Rodgers or, or Swanson there. You kind of look at your your team, though, and I think Benintendi or Swanson would have probably been the way to go just because I, I think that that just fits your, you know, kind of the way that I did my Dynasty mock. Like, you have a bunch of pieces that are going to be ready to get there right around when Benintendi mm-hmm. and Swanson get there, whereas Rodgers might be four years away. Exactly. At which point you're going to have lost a bunch of these guys either by their contracts running out or just not being able to extend them. So I think that that made a lot of sense to go in that direction. Yeah, and you mentioned Billy McKinney kind of in passing earlier. I I'd leaped over him because I just grabbed Ben Intendi, an outfielder, and grabbed Cody Reed, who I obviously I'm a Reds fan and like what I've seen so far. Had to get him to really shore up some – some pitching depth because the pitching was drying out certainly among the prospects what are you thinking about reed is he gaining momentum in your mind as a 2016 option because he is looking good so far this spring I'd just like to get your your thoughts on reed you know uh bobby apples asked me that in the office the other day uh <laughs> was, was, com- was completing uh nfbc draft and yeah, I think I think he's he's going to be knocking on the door as early as June, maybe. Just just given, you know, the rest of that rotation, it's young. You already got a couple guys dealing with injuries, though. Uh, Michael Lorenzen, who knows how much time he'll miss. And you, you're going to inevitably have some guys that struggle too, and and are easily replaceable come June or July. And you know, Reed has kind of proven everything he needs to prove at double a in my mind. So I could see a triple a assignment. And then at that point he's, he's kind of one uh, injury or, or just a few nice starts away from getting the call. Yeah. Then I, I went up and grabbed Dominic Smith, much to the chagrin of Jan Levine. And then Josh Hader, who we saw in the fall league, man, didn't seem like I actually got a couple reserve, <coughs> a couple reserve picks in before I even grabbed Hader. You have him pretty high in your ranks, but it didn't seem like anybody no. uh, really knew knows much about him or wants to take that that leap right now. But what what's the what's the arsenal with Hader? You know exactly what he what he features. So uh, Hader's got the the fastball, which is which is nasty and and has just a ton of movement and. He's also got the the slider and the changeup, but uh, everyone seems to be a little worried about his delivery and his his skinny frame and everything. I don't really see it, you know. I mean, I, I know a lot of people kind of write off the Chris Sale comps, but while I wouldn't compare him to Chris Sale, I would just say, you know, Chris Sale's a guy who had a lot of those same concerns and like. Pr- and prove people wrong. I mean, exactly. I, I just think you can't, you know, there were people kind of lumping Luis Severino into this sort of basket last year, just saying, you know, the, the delivery's kind of funky and the follow through, especially is kind of a little weird, a lot of effort. And, you know, some, sometimes guys just have funky deliveries, you know, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't always mean that they're headed for the bullpen in haters case. Even if you said it's like a 50-50 chance that he ends up in the bullpen, well, 
on the fifty percent chance that he ends up in the rotation, he could be just completely nasty. I mean, yeah. he was he was unhittable when we saw him. He's got a clear path too. I mean, when he's ready. Yeah, and and just everything moves. It keeps the ball down. I just I really like the way he gets after it on the mound and. Yeah, I, I'm I'm a big fan. I mean, it, it could end up being wrong, but honestly, like outside of the top like 25 prospects or so this year, you know, it's it's really kind of just risk city, you know, mm-hmm. in that that kind of 25 to 75 range. So you know, a lot of these guys aren't going to make it. Haters got the upside to be pretty special though. Yeah, when we saw him in Arizona, and you don't want to buy too much into what you see. You don't want to fall too much in love with guys uh, that you're seeing live. But when we saw him, he came in relief. Of who Adrian Hauser, I think it was, and Hauser was just giving up contact, contact, contact. I don't know if he had one swing strike the whole the whole game, but then Hader came in and he couldn't touch him. The batters could not touch him. No. He was missing bats like crazy. And yeah, the sale comps might be a bit unfair, but when you watch him pitch, uh, I mean, the, the delivery kind of looks like sale, and when you're featuring that kind of junk uh, to and, go off that fastball. <clears throat> it's pretty special. And he, you know, hitters will tell you how good a guy's stuff is, and Hitters, hitters basically told me that Hauser is not a big league caliber starting pitcher, at least not the way that his his stuff currently features. It was and, night and day. And then, you know, I, I mean, I think I, even the people that are like the biggest detractors of Hader and, and think that he's just destined for the bullpen would admit that he's destined to be a super high leverage reliever in the mm-hmm. bullpen. So it's not. You know, you might have the floor of like a Andrew Miller type of reliever, really. So that that's that's fine. I want to ask you about a guy who's a Rule Five pick this year. I took him with a reserve pick just because I needed an outfielder who I think is going to play. And I think on this team, uh, if they want to, it seems like they're high on him. I mean, they let Liriano. Uh, I'm sorry, yeah, Reimer Liriano go, and I think Blash, even if he doesn't play regularly to start the year, is going to be on this roster. Uh, big-time power. I mean, he had 30-plus homers in the minors last year, and the organization was kind of raving about him, but too much swing and miss in this game for him to be a useful fantasy option? Uh, <clears throat> I think he's a worthwhile flyer, I think. You know, kind of hoping that nobody in my, my TDGX Dynasty League is listening to this, but I have a waiver claim in on him <laughs> where we, we did, like, our reserve draft – and then if you didn't get to 40 roster spots, you have to fill up the rest of those spots via via waivers, which open in a couple of weeks. So I'm going to I'm going to see if I can grab him for a buck. Just, you know, just a complete lottery ticket on the power. I don't even know if he would be a sustainable guy like long term in the big leagues. Mm-hmm. But there's a chance you could get kind of an Alex Guerrero month or two from him and and get 10 homers in a quick quick few weeks there yeah something like that yeah Yeah. i mean with that kind of power anything's possible over over a short stretch so uh, their outfield is just a disaster their whole everything's just a disaster (laughs) i mean mean, what john jay is he gonna be in center the john jay melvin gordon travis jankowski like trio of of suck like are you kidding me like that that's that's awful and you know, Blash at least has power. I mean, who else on that team even has the potential to hit twenty plus homers other so than Kemp, other than Matt yeah. Kemp? Yeah, I mean, for that reason alone, they might just make it just because they're going to be like, well, yeah, you know, we need something. 
Yeah, Will Myers, I should say, probably probably oh, gets yeah, there Will too. Myers. But I mean, struggling the spring. But it's yeah. it's a it's a na- nasty lineup, and yeah, I mean, I, it doesn't really have to pay off. You took him in the reserve round. I'm going to try to snag him for a buck off waivers. He's not going to cost you anything anywhere yeah. this year, so it's just a, it's a worthwhile lottery ticket. I think he was second only to AJ Reed and and homers in the minors last year. So I mean, it, it's definitely a legit plus plus power. Yeah. Absolutely. And San Diego Union Tribune had something on him just the other day. He had a second spring homer, and they were just kind of like, wow, the, the raw power this kid has is absolutely insane. You mentioned that your Dynasty League ranks are going to be accompanying your, your latest Farm Futures piece with a write-up on the mock results. And this is cool to see, just seeing all these prospects and where they fit with major leaguers too. But you, you kind of caution that, you know, as you're vetting these – these ranks in this mock that you know sometimes you just you know you don't end up drafting strictly by the ranks and that's true in season long but what did you find in this mock how how far down were you reaching and straying from your your rankings well so once i decided i was going to go young and go for kind of a long-term sustainable team mm-hmm. that kind of wiped out about half of the player pool basically because you know, I wasn't going to be taking Miguel, like I, I wasn't going to be taking Cabrera. yeah any of those like 29, 30, 31, 32 year old sluggers just wasn't going to take them. Uh, wasn't going to take any high end arms other than Jose Fernandez because the price tag on them is just it doesn't make sense to take a guy like Carlos Carrasco or Madison Bumgarner and have them sitting on your bench for a year when you're not contending mm-hmm. because during that year they could just get hurt and then you get nothing out of that pick. I mean, it, it, I would like to have more, you know, ace arms than than just Jose on that roster, but it was kind of a sacrifice in order to load up on as many high upside bats, young bats as I could. I kind of just took, a, a you know, maybe 10 rounds off of taking pitchers and then got back in on some guys that I really like that aren't as proven that I could get at a, a bit of a discount. So surprised you were able to get a guy like Matt's at 122. Yeah, and that's that was weird to me because I think I even have him higher than 122 in my, like, single-season league yeah. ranking. So, yeah, to get him there in a dynasty league I thought was great. And Corbin, too. I mean, Corbin, yeah, yeah. who knows what he's going to be looking at in terms of workload this year, but... Terms of yeah, dynasty I, league pick, I kind of said so. I I went Fernandez, Mats, Alex Reyes, Corbin, Barrios, Joe Ross, Blake Snell, Vince Velasquez, Jorge Lopez at pitcher, and I didn't think any of those buys were something I wouldn't be comfortable with in a single season league either, except for Reyes. But I wouldn't have loaded up on that many young guys if I was trying to win this year, just because there's so much uncertainty with that. But mm-hmm. you know what you hope for is that maybe five of those guys can hit. And then you just kind of have to fill in the the spare parts when you're ready to contend. I didn't take any relievers either, so I mean that that eliminate when you're when you're doing a start from scratch and you're not trying to compete that year. Really doesn't make any sense in my mind to roster a single relief pitcher because mm-hmm. that that could easily turn over. And you can always fill that in when you're ready to. I mean, in dynasty leagues, there's always teams looking to trade closers because if you're not contending, you don't need closers, and if you are contending closer might be something you're willing to part with midway through a season because it's just not that reliable going forward and you might have a a surplus of them so uh yeah I mean I I, these dynasty league ranks are nice 
just to kind of get like a snapshot of where everyone's value is but you would probably find pretty pretty early on that you're not going to just go down the list because if you're trying to win this year you're not going to take Alex Reyes 82nd overall Mm -hmm. it's all according to your your game plan and if you're trying to win long term you're not going to take Troy Tulowitzki 90th overall you know so uh, it's nice to kind of have, you know, maybe for trades, stuff like that. If, if two guys are kind of in the same, uh, area of, of where they're at in terms of their prime or declining years and it kind of compare that way, but just saying, yes, Sonny Gray is much better in dynasty leagues than Rysel Glacius because I have him three spots higher. Like that doesn't necessarily, uh, hold water depending on where you're at in terms of your wind curve yeah and i think that's important to realize because a lot of people you know if they are new and especially new to dynasty leagues may be tempted to just you know pick off the list but just have a game and plan that's the most important thing one one thing i definitely think would you know if you looked at these rankings one of the things that i could see people immediately questioning is where some of the starting pitchers are ranked you know, I got guys, I got a ton of guys ranked ahead of Max Scherzer. Got some guys like Chris Archer, Jake DeGrom ranked ahead of Chris Sale. I mean, that's all. Just go look at how many innings those guys have thrown mm-hmm. because, you know, Archer and DeGrom are 27 years old. Chris Sale's 27 years old. But go look at how many innings Chris Sale's thrown compared to those two guys. Mm-hmm. It's all just miles on the arm. And that's why Max Scherzer gets dinged here a little bit. He's 31. He's thrown a ton of innings. Whereas, you know, guys like Garrett Cole, guys like Noah Syndergaard uh, are younger, don't have that kind of mileage on the arm. So that that's kind of where the, the pitcher rankings kind of come into play there. Yeah, it's good to know. One guy that I know you're you're in on for this year, and you have him high on this list too, Michael Franco, 30th ahead of guys like J.D. Martinez, Gregory Polanco, Michael Conforto. I mean, he's absolutely crushing the ball this spring. He looks great. Uh but are we looking at a guy who's going to be a perennial threat for 30 homers over the next five years? I think that sounds about right. You know, mm-hmm. 23 years old, that that's kind of the big thing there is, you know. And it's not just raw power anymore. I mean, he, he's bringing this to every game he comes into. Just and he, lacing the ball. right, yeah, it's definitely showing up in games. He, I feel like he's very low risk because of the contact rate. You know, striking out less than 20% of the time for a guy with that kind of power and who's that young. To me, that just suggests that this guy is not going to have too many slumps. You know, mm-hmm. he's he's going to be pretty reliable. And just that, that age difference, you know, J.D. Martinez is 28 years old, Michael Franco is 23. That means you're going to get an extra five years of a guy's peak years if you go Franco over, over Martinez. So while, while he's less proven really just love that that age uh, factor there and the fact that he's going to be third base eligible for the next 10 12 years yeah. and that I mean, he had that big big season in 2014 uh stock took a little bit of a hit or maybe it was 2013 then stock took it in 14 is that right because uh, he, he came up yeah, and struggled yeah. a bit 2014 yeah. was the year that i i kind of started to have questions about how legit of a prospect he actually was mm-hmm. and then Obviously, last year made me eat my words. He's, I mean, he's looking great. So, I mean, there there were legitimate questions, but he's really ironed things out and looks like a an everyday major leaguer for years to come. One player on the pitching side that I am a little surprised that you have a little lower down 
uh, that have you have down at 57. That's Carlos Rodon, and I mean I think that's certainly a fair rank. You know, if we're just talking in a vacuum, I, I thought I just thought you'd have him a little bit higher. Why do you have him below guys like, uh, <coughs> well, Lucas Giolito? I understand, but behind some of these bats like Gaziel Puig, Adam Jones. Uh, just the the control. I mean, in the second half last year, he was pretty awesome. But you know, pitchers are risky to begin with, and I think that you got to cook in a little bit of risk with Rodon just because we haven't seen him do, you know, two hundred innings of number two starter level production, let alone ace level production. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if, if I was putting together, if you if he still qualified for a prospect list, I'd I'd have him right behind Lucas Giolito, ahead of Julio Urias and AJ Reed. So he'd be number six overall, and I think that kind of bears out here. I mean, I I think you depending on what your need is, I would I would have no problem trading a guy like Puig or Adam Jones for Rodon if I if I wanted some pitching, but. Uh, a lot less risk with those bats than than with Rodon. One guy here that uh, does carry quite a bit of risk, and I would think would be one of the tougher ranks in this whole thing if I, if I were doing that, and that's Joey Gallo. 103 here on your ranks, and he's another guy this spring has hit some some tape measure shots, some absolutely X-rated, just smutty, smutty homers. <laughs> uh, 103, though, that, that does seem to balance the downside with the upside, but... Uh, you, I know, have been reluctant to trade him in leagues just because that, in keeper leagues, because that upside is so high. You don't want that to come back to burn you. Yeah, and <clears throat> if you if you like Gallo and you don't own him, I don't think now is the time to try to trade for him, even though you might think that his stock is down, because I actually think his stock could go down yet again before mm-hmm. it, he actually starts to pay off. You know, I think you'll you'll see him... Probably crush AAA pitching this year, and then he'll get another shot against big league pitching. And I think the results could once again be be kind of mixed. You know, I think he could strike out over thirty percent of the time if he get gets back up to the big leagues this year, and he'll hit some homers mixed in there too as well. But like, once you get to the big leagues a couple times, and <clears throat> and the production's not where people want it to be then people start to kind of write you off. And I think with a guy like Gallo, it'll be, you know, he'll get 300, 400 maybe plate appearances in the big leagues before things start to click for him, I think. So there'll be another opportunity to buy, I would imagine, when when his price is is fairly low. And at the end, along the same, same lines, if you're a Gallo owner, be patient with him because it's not going to be, you know, He's not going to hit the ground running on his next big league call up. I don't imagine. I think there's still going to be some growing pains there. He's shown it at every level where initially he really struggled. I mean, he struggled significantly at AAA last year in his first taste of that league. So, uh, just a guy that you kind of have to be patient with. But by 2018, I think this is a guy that you know could be a top 15, top 20 pick in fantasy. Yeah, I was reading uh, some quotes from him the other day after uh, another one of his homers. He just says he's feeling a lot more comfortable in spring training, in his second major league spring training, (laughs) and that he feels like he belongs and is going to compete against these guys. I do think that there could be another 
prolonged struggle period. And with Ian Desmond there, he's really blocked this year. But do you think maybe if Desmond struggles by midseason, just because they don't, don't have much of a financial commitment, uh, they can make that switch? Or would it take some, some pretty major struggles for Desmond to lose his job? So I think that Desmond could lose his job if he is not giving them what they need from him offensively. Especially I, from I, a corner. I think that I think he'll be fine defensively. I don't think that'll be an issue, but I think Mazzara would Nomar Mazzara would probably be the guy to get that, that crack first if if they were trying to replace Desmond internally. And you know, Mazzara's had a better spring than Gallo. Mazzara's had a better spring than any Ranger. So, <clears throat> I mean, he's got some pornographic homers this week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and and he's just just hit everything's going in for hits with him. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know what they're necessarily trying to do. And then I heard, I, I don't know how far along this is, but I heard they were in talks with Adrian Beltre about a possible extension. Like, yeah, I saw that too. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing necessarily. Through age forty or something. I like. I like the Rangers because I like a lot of their prospects and I always kind of have but man they're really going out of their way to kind of make it make it difficult for these guys to get in there mm-hmm. you know they're yeah. not they're not making it easy I mean getting a Desmond for what one year eight million makes sense given what what they want but I I mean they have guys namely Mazzara who could step in there and maybe give them even more than Desmond give them this seems, year. I mean like one year eight million why wasn't some other team willing to go like one year, ten million, yeah. and just because like there's a ton of other teams that a don't have the Rangers prospect depth in the outfield and b like the Rangers have so much middle infield depth that there's probably no chance that Desmond even gets to play shortstop for them in a pinch. You know they have mm-hmm. Profar waiting in the minors and Anderson and Odor at the big leagues, so it's just. Like they're very, they're, they might be like the least obvious fit for Desmond mm-hmm. in, in terms of uh, short term. Man, Desmond, I sometimes I feel bad for him because of course he turned down that big contract extension, mm-hmm. then also the qualifying offer. But at the same time, oh man, I mean I do kind of feel bad for him because I know I hear he's a good person, but uh, kind of a head, couple head scratching decisions there especially the qualifying offer i wouldn't uh well if you turn down that extension i mean you might as well I mean, just, just how turn- do you misread the market that bad if you're if you're the well, agent there. so what i yeah it, like i don't know who was advising him the the extension's the one where like if i'm the agent and i got a shortstop who you know at best is like an average defender he was like what 29 or something I think yeah the odds are like you know, teams are getting pretty smart. Like, there's a definite definite scenario where his defense slips, and even if his offense had stayed pretty solid, he might not have gotten trip uh, over a hundred grand or a hundred yeah. mil. So, yeah. yeah, that that was confusing. One last guy I want to ask you about here, Gregory Polanco. Obviously, a big prospect before he came up hasn't you know has had some struggles at the major league level the first couple of years, but you have him thirty third on your dynasty league rankings. I know you got him in stake league as well. What are you, are you expecting this year to indeed be the year that Gregory Polanco breaks out? Well, I think it could be the year, but I like I like the fact that it doesn't have to be the year and he can still be like a top 20 outfielder mm-hmm. because, you know, you look at what he did in the second half last year, you know he's going to steal bases. 
um, you know, you know, he's going to be hitting in a pretty advantageous part of that lineup, but batting maybe second. Well, you know, he, he hit two seventy six in the second half last year, six homers in, in 69 games. You know, I could see him hitting, you know, 270, 15 homers, 30, 35 steals. And at that point, you know, borderline top 10 outfielder. And he's still so young. You know, he's been around for a while, but he's still just 24 years old. You know, he he's probably not going to peak from a power standpoint until he's 26 or 27. So... I just think that there's he's kind of established that last year's probably his his floor and that's you know 9 or 10 homers with almost 30 steals. So, you know, assuming and and he's got more power than he's shown so far in the big leagues. Like he he's really got really got some I mean, I think like 50 50 grade power I think is is something that wouldn't be too big of a stretch in in 2 or 3 years. Yeah, you go 50 deep on these dynasty league rankings so be sure to check them out. Very helpful. And the results of your, your Dynasty mock and farm futures. Rotowire.com slash radio for a free 10-day trial. No credit card required. No strings attached. That'll do it for the prospect portion of the show. We are going to grade out our latest hip-hop artist. Too short uh, on the 20 to 80 scouting scale. <laughs> grading the five tools we've established for grading hip-hop artists. Lyricism, flow, longevity, impact, swag. And we'll give an overall grade. And too short's a guy that I feel like Man, he's been around so long. Maybe gets slept on by the younger generation, but an absolute legend on the West Coast. And you can't... That's the thing. I mean, maybe some people hate on the lyricism, and I do have a 25 here, but if you focus on the lyricism, you're missing the point with a guy like Too Short. Yeah. he. We were at Trivia the other night, and they were throwing out some like rappers and saying you got to pick whether they're East Coast or West Coast. And they, it was all just layups, except they, they threw out Daz Dillinger, which I guess could have tripped a few people up. But we were, you know, saying that they should have made it a bit harder on everyone, and yeah, we were made too short should have been one of them. Yeah, uh, even too short would have been easy. Yeah, I mean, it would have all been pretty easy for us. But yeah, I threw a thirty-five on the lyricism. He's kind of more. Well, I thought I was looking at his Wikipedia. There's a they describe his his lyrics and it's pretty pretty accurate. Many of his rap lyrics are about pimping, drug use, and sexual antics. And <laughs> yeah, the sexual <laughs> antics are definitely he's a, definitely a very prominent theme. He's definitely a big fan of the sexual antics in his in his lyrics, and mm. uh, it just kind of goes to his whole sort of persona. You know, he's he's mm. just. It's really just all about pimping for too short. Yeah, and he just gets away with the lyrics because, because almost you know they're so kind of basic, but he just owns it and he just rides the beat and well, he, he murders. And it was like the '90s and that mm-hmm. type of stuff. The beats <laughs> were plus plus, right? Like, you know, I don't know if a song like "Blowjob Betty" would have been as <laughs> as. Uh, embraced maybe it would be embraced nowadays i don't Probably know like i i think I, I feel like in terms of misogynistic rapping i think a lot a lot more was you know you could a lot more was able to fly back in the early 90s but maybe i'm wrong uh he Number, definitely kind of embodied that though i mean you look at this discography and man it is crazy some some 80 grade uh 
album names too. Born to Mac, Life is Too Short, Short Dogs in the House, Shorty the Pimp, well, Get In Where You Fit In, Cocktails, which is my personal favorite. You guess how many platinum albums Too Short has? I feel like this is something that a lot of people would not even not even come close to guessing. Um four. Six. Pretty crazy. And then I mean, three he's, additional golds. He's got his uh supporters. I mean, so you you like the, the album titles. I like the album covers. Album uh, covers are great too, of course. The Get in where you fit in album covers, pretty great. You know, that was that was kind of Purple Haze before Purple Haze. Uh Short Dogs in the House. That was kind of the Cocktails uh, is a good, good cover. Too. Short Dogs in the House was the uh inspiration for the album cover to Doggy Style. Yeah. Uh yeah, cocktails is is solid. <laughs> um Yeah, I mean, what about Look at the um, look at the still blowing album cover. <laughs> what is that even? There's a soccer ball and this chicks wearing a, a ref <laughs> outfit and a soccer ball. Like why is there a soccer ball? Official on like a referee with a whistle. <laughs> I guess I don't really know, but uh, that's the thing. Those couple albums, these last couple, I haven't heard, but uh, I feel like since Mary did the game, I've kind of been out. <laughs> Out, but the discography in itself, the catalog is, is definitely plus, and that's why I have a 65 on longevity. But let's get back to flow for a second. I got a 75, you got a 60. Longevity, you got a 50. Even with that discography, do you think maybe his his popularity window was a little limited? Yeah, I think I think it was kind of you know he was sort of a niche rapper i mean i know he he went platinum and everything multiple times but either you were kind of all in on too short i feel or you just had no idea what too short was up to because mm. like he's you know not getting radio spins for the most part it's, it's a shame too. Uh, him and e40 both slept on and and like not featuring prominently i mean he he did you know he he was on songs with tupac on songs with biggie snoop jay-z but None of those, none of those songs were like the, the you know big singles of those albums or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So, you could have easily been like into rap in the mid '90s and just not listened to much Too Short. I, I think that that's, yeah, that's entirely true. possible. And that's actually the case with me because in the '90s when I was first getting into rap, I didn't listen to it much. But then as I got older, uh, could appreciate some of those tales. A little bit more. Impact, I got a 60, same grade as you here. Big influence, especially on the West Coast. And, and that kind of laid-back style, not really trying too hard, just kind of macking, uh, I think it rubbed off on a lot of people. I think, yeah, I mean, he's a big... Uh, I think he's he had a big influence on a lot of guys, like you know Wiz Khalifa and ASAP Rocky and you know just that kind of laid-back style. I think like Mac Dre and a lot of those West West Coast guys. Yeah, as well. uh, yeah. I mean, I think that he's kind of one of the one of the legends, like one of the one of the OGs yeah. for sure. Absolutely. And I got an eighty swag grade. You got a seventy. Look, you, you can't get away with some of those lyrics. I could put it. I could. I could see grade. an eighty. Yeah. Um, I'm just so hesitant to give guys eighties on the swag. Uh, I don't know if his so, current swag would be eighty. Yeah. 
It's he's just getting so, kind of. He's got a little gray, gray going. To me, like swag is kind of like power. Where it's like, I, you know, I mean, maybe he does. I don't know. I mean, to me, there's only like, I'd give Stanton eighty power, Gallo eighty power, Harper eighty power, and that's probably it. Like, mm. there's just it's so so rarefied to have that eighty swag. Yeah, you know what? I've I've given out three straight eighty swag. You have. You just you hand it out. <laughs> That's the thing. These guys <laughs> really are. It, the, you hand it right out. These guys are setting the bar as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Lil Wayne, Slick Rick, and Too Short, all from different parts of the map. Yeah. Maybe I maybe I was wrong on the Slick Rick. Grade. I went made some seventy-five, sixty-five, seventy. So. Um, yeah, that's a tough grade to get from you. Yeah. I really I respect one of these that. one of these days I'll I'll hand out an eighty. <laughs> We will be waiting <laughs> on pins and needles for that. But thank you guys for listening. James, safe travels. Have fun. We'll see you guys next week. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-Blade Razor and Shave Gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.